Welcome to the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast. The podcast for wellbeing professionals that looks at best practices in organisations that care about their people and which keeps an eye on the growing number of suppliers in the wellbeing space. The Workplace Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by FastPayE, a financial wellbeing solution that facilitates flexible salary advances. It also provides access to financial education, a benefits assessment calculator, and a host of other financial well-being tools. FastPayE is part of the WorkTech group that includes ShopWorks Workforce Solutions and Solved by AI. ShopWorks offers scheduling and time and attendance tools that improve your workforce management processes, whilst Solved by AI provides unique artificial intelligence products that deliver optimum staffing levels and improve employee retention. Hi, and welcome to the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Ian Hogg. Chairman of FastPay, and today I'm very pleased to be joined by Andre Delafontaine, founder of the Genius Life Academy. Andre has developed a unique methodology to help companies and individuals engage and energize teams by maximizing the time spent in what Andre describes as their genius zones. Andre is currently teaching the Genius Life methodology to various business schools in Switzerland, as well as through conferences for corporate companies. Andre believes his methodology improves an employee's productivity satisfaction and happiness at work. So in this edition of the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast, I want to understand more about Andre's genius life methodology and the impact it can have in the workplace. Hi, Andre. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ian. Great to be here. Thank you. Where, where, where are you speaking to us from at the moment? Oh, actually, above Lake Geneva in Switzerland. Incredible view. There's still some snow out here, so I should be skiing today. But actually, it's lots of fun to be here with you guys. I'm I'm jealous on on a number of counts there. So let's let's move on. Um, l- listen, I think a really good place we always start here is if you could just talk to the listeners a bit about your background, how you ended up at this point in your career and ended up launching the Genius Academy. Yeah, indeed. So I spent 17 years in multinationals, worked in Switzerland, in the US, uh, in Asia, Lots of uh, lots of very very interesting experiences, but after a while, I needed to find a, a little bit of higher meaning for myself, make a more uh, more impact on the people around me. I felt a little bit lost in that environment, so I became independent and bought innovation and um, innovative mindset, entrepreneurial thinking to large companies. And whilst that was a lot of fun, I actually ended up getting burnt out there, even though I was doing a lot of what I really wanted to do. And that got me, you know, really thinking, how come I'm really in what I want to do? I choose my clients. I work with the people I want, but yet I really still go through clinical burnout, ending up in the hospital. Wasn't fun for me. Wasn't fun for people around me. Wasn't fun for my family. And that really got me, you know, how come um, I'm getting into this state? And over the, the, the year after that, it, it helped me, you know, restructure my, my time, my life and understand hour by hour over a work week, some things bought me energy and some things drained my energy, even though I was still working on things that, you know, had impact around me. So that was kind of the start of the, the Genius Life Academy. Okay. But, well, I mean, clinical burnout, I mean, that, that sounds pretty serious for, you know, so actually ended up in hospital, hospital over it. Yeah, for, for nearly two weeks, uh, it was pretty, pretty grave, uh, pretty grave, uh, time actually. And I was completely dysfunctional. Uh, I had to actually bring in somebody to help me out for my day to day life. Uh, my family took really good care of me. My key clients actually were very flexible and really, really helped me out. It actually strengthened the relationship. 
Uh, and uh, of course, I don't want to go through this again, but it really helped me stop and, and rebuild my life in a much more sustainable way, actually. Okay, so so that experience, you know, that's that sort of underlines a lot of the thinking behind what you've put into to come up with the genius life methodology, does it? Yeah, exactly. So I started by by really measuring. One thing I do like about management is we attain what we measure. So I started actually measuring hour by hour by the tasks I was doing over a regular week. Do they bring me energy or do they drain me energy? And uh, over a, some time, I understood that we actually have four four levels of competency, right? There's the lowest level where I'm incompetent. You know, I've done an MBA. I've had four courses on accounting in my life, uh, yet I still can't do uh, double entry accounting today. I'm really useless at that. So the lowest level is incompetency. Then there's one level, which is competency. And here are other people around me for certain tasks are just as good as me. But, you know, in a, in a disrupted work environment where good positions or openings receive 100, 200, 300 CVs, if I'm just as good as people around me, I'm not going to be able to get that uh, that nice gig, that nice job, right? Then there's one level above that, and this is where the drama really happens. The level above competency is excellence. And since the day we start school, when we're in the workplace, uh, during our studies, we're always pushed towards the level of excellence, being better than people around us at certain tasks. The trouble is, if we get stuck in the level of excellence, actually those tasks drain our energy, and that's exactly where I got stuck. I was constantly asked to do certain tasks, uh, but some of them, or most of them, actually drain my energy. There's one level above that, the fourth level, which unluckily I'd never heard about, neither in school, neither in, um, in college, neither in the workplace, which is actually the level of genius. These are tasks that are so easy for me, so natural for me, they're not even work. They give me energy, they boost me, and I can do them two to three times faster, even uh, even compared to my level of excellence. And because they give me energy, I can do them the whole day long. At the end of the day, I actually have more energy than in the beginning. I'll be much more efficient, and people will start noticing that around me and start giving me more and more of this work. But, but for that to work, I actually have to be able to differentiate the level of genius from the level of excellence, because we often get stuck in this uh, infamous level of excellence. Okay, no, fine. I've got it. So there's four zones. Let me just check I've got it right. Incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. Okay, fine. And, it, it, you know, you talked about doing, you know, your own sort of self-analysis where you're measuring the time you were in each zone. Um, is there any other, you know, is it based on any scientific research or is it a, you know, something you developed entirely yourself? Yeah, so that's a very good question. Thank you. There's two parts to this. So there's a lot of scientific research that's been done by this and a lot of publications, actually. Gay Hendricks in the US, I'll give the reference to, to his book at the end, The Big Leap, which is an excellent reading on this. And he differentiates these four levels, very well explains the levels. Now, what's maybe a little bit particular about the Genius Life Academy is once we've identified those levels, we really recommend to our participants to measure the time they spend in each. Three, uh, you know, uh, wake-up calls in the, in the process of going through the academy. The first is that the level of genius is not at all the level of excellence. They're very different. The only comparison, the only similarity is that we're better than people in those tasks around us, but otherwise they're very different. One gives us energy, the other one drains us energy. We can go through a couple of other differentiators. But um, uh, so first we differentiate excellence and genius. Then we start measuring the times people spend in each one. 
And here, this is this is not good. On average, people spend 20%, 15% to 20% of their time in their level of genius. You know, no company on earth would survive any more than a couple of months with such an efficient usage of their key resources. Try paying your, your um, employees five to six times more. Try spending uh, you know, only one-sixth of your time working and the other sixth of your, of your time where you get paid not working. Uh, one-sixth of your key assets, of your uh, worker office space, uh, of your uh, you know, clients' uh, resources, whatever. No company would survive. Yet this seems to be not a problem with the most important key resource we have, human resources. Nice. So um, the, first, the first point is differentiating excellence and genius. Second point is measuring the time we spend in a level of genius, of course, trying to improve that. And then the third point is putting in place a plan, a 100-day plan, five steps to maximize that time we spend in a level of genius. Uh, There's this concrete plan, which is actionable, which takes into account, you know, the environment, what the constraints, what do I want to attain, and applying it. And then we meet actually one month, two months, and three months after the, uh, uh, the whole process, to make sure that people apply that plan and make a difference in their own lives. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah, just before, listen, the, the excellent. I think I, I get the methodology there. So we're looking to optimize the time in the genius zone. We're probably never going to get rid of all of the other tasks that, um, that are in the other zones, but we want to minimize those. That's that's pretty much the the, the key to, to success on this methodology. Going back to... to uh, was it Gay Hendricks and the Big Leap? So effectively, somebody's done some work on this. Uh, did, did I pick up it was in the states? And then, and you're taking yes. this into you're taking this into Europe. Is that is that a fair fair comment? Yeah. Andre? So indeed. So I, I well, there's two things here. I rely on the basic analysis, basic science, basic research that he's done behind this. And that is very solid. Again, 40 years, it's very, very interesting listening to him, reading what, what he's done as, as a basic starting point. Then the question is, we've understood the theory behind this, but actually, what do we do with it? What changes does it make to people's lives? Because understanding the theory is nice. It can be a very interesting intellectual exercise. But what is the outcome for participants, for people applying this theory? And what changes do they really make on a daily basis in their lives? And that's where... Some things I've added on to on top of the theory to make sure that 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 happens and maximize the chance of those changes being made. Okay, no, that, uh, yeah, that's that's very interesting because I think one of the themes of this podcast is there's theory and academic research, and then what what does that actually mean if I'm you know I'm in the workplace or I'm I'm going through the experience and I need to improve. So no, that that that's great. So you're you're trying to make it a more practical um, practical thing. So you know what. Um, why do you think it, it sort of helps with people's sort of well-being and and um, particularly in the workplace? Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, COVID has had a, a very negative effect on on overall well-being in the workplace for various reasons. People have different sensitivities to to some of the the aspects that COVID has brought. There's quite a lot of collateral damage, and I'm hearing both from HR and also from private practice to support uh, therapists that there's quite a few people that aren't, aren't feeling very very well right now at work. And this, of course, has a big impact on productivity, big impact on people's lives, big impact on, on, on people's, uh, you know, simply showing up at work, absenteeism, and, and uh, all these uh, negative collaterals. So how does being in our genius zone really help that? 
in the end, it's about energy and meaning and how we feel in the tasks that we do. Do we bring value? Is it easy for us? Does it boost our energy? Does it give us meaning? Does it make us happy? And here, this methodology ensures that we maximize the time that we spend in those tasks that do, do all of those collectively and therefore really, really increases well-being within the workplace. Okay, no, I, I get it. I mean, let's, let's try and work through uh, an example, and um, I'm going to use me as the example. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a founder, and p- people would say, well, you know, a bit like you said, you know, I've got control. Um, you know, in some ways, I get to choose what work I do and what work I don't do. Um, but I still, you know, I still end up doing my expenses, and I still end up doing other they're not menial tasks that's the wrong word to use but they're the tasks I don't enjoy that I find slow and monotonous I think is probably the way Um, and I love doing the sort of sales meetings and the client meetings and things like that but I don't always get to do you know I have to do a lot of background and notes and things like that so you know I I find it really you know how do I get rid of that work you know I can't just give all of that to somebody else you know nobody else wants to do that work either do they (laughs) I love it. Thank you. Thank you. This is such an excellent question. You know, in, in every time I, I give a talk, I, I give a, you know, a podcast on this subject, I, I get the, the, this, uh, these types of questions. So first of all, um, it's not about being a genius, right? We all have genius zones. I've had over 100 people go through the whole Genius Life Academy. Every single one has found their genius zones. Okay, so we all have genius zones. And conversely, every single task is a genius zone of somebody. The question is of who? And the question is, is it of us, right? I'll give you a very concrete example. Uh, two, uh, two groups ago, actually, two cohorts ago, had a lady who's a receptionist. And uh, she'd lost her job. She was between jobs. She decided actually to take a life in her own hands. She invested some money to, to do the Genius Life Academy. And through the feedback she got from others, she actually found out that accounting was her genius zone, was one of her genius zones. And it was such a, uh, she loved numbers, she loved accounting, she'd studied it a very, very long time ago, she'd never actually practiced it in her job, and she was trying to look for her book, you know, her her, uh, background material, etc. She couldn't even find her books when she studied this quite some time ago. And uh, by starting to communicate around this genius zone around her, within two weeks after the end of the work of the workshop, she'd found a job in accounting, even though she had no formal background in this, because she understood how much it enlightened her, how much it gave her energy. It was like just a gift to listen to her about accounting, which is definitely not one of my genius zones, and I can feel for you on that. And now she's found this job. She's just, wow, we talked to her like it's an unbelievable. You know, we, we, we regroup uh, one month, two months, three months later, and she's so, just so full of energy. And every time it's just a pleasure to, to listen to her. And uh, this, I think, is a wonderful example where the second we believe that a task, it, we have to do it because it's not going to be anybody else's genius zone. It's not going to give energy to anybody else. Then, of course, we preclude somebody else from being able to do that. And the, the drama here is that because I stay in my zone of competence or excellence, depending on, I mean, I know you, you know, you're a pretty smart guy. I think you're pretty competent at this, right? You might even be pretty excellent at it, even though it's not that much fun for you. The second I get stuck in that, then actually I can't give it to somebody else. And you, Ian, lose, but that other person would also lose, right? Isabella, this accountant, would also lose because she could spend more time in this as well, where maybe she was doing things that you would enjoy doing. 
And this is actually very representative of what happens in teams. When we identify genius zones within teams, we can start bartering tasks between the same members of a team. And in the end, everybody wins because everybody spends much more time in their genius zones. The beauty of, of spending only 20% on average of our time in our genius zones is we only need to spend one more day per week. We've already doubled. And doubling will have a big, big effect on people's well-being and productivity. No, fine. Excellent. It's, it's starting to make sense to me now. So, you know, I think, you know, if you look at um, we, we do color coding of um, you, you might have done this sort of work, but um, where we people are either, you know, their colors are red, yellow, blue or green and red tend to be sort of, um, you know, quite sort of forceful sort of leadership types, if you like. Blue tend to be detail, yellow, um, creative, and green sort of, you know, um, collaborators. And actually what sounds to me like you're doing is giving some sort of um, scientific background to why those things work. Because what I think we've just discussed there is I'm probably in the red and yellow trying to do the sales deals. And Isabella's sounds to me like she's she's in the blue zone in our, in our categorization. So are we saying that actually the best way to, to solve this across a number of people is get a nice mix of different color zones so that, you know, and different, basically people with different geniuses so that we, we don't have all salespeople or, or, or all accountants in the, in the team. Is, have, I, have I got it right there? Yeah, I, I, that's actually a very nice description. I, I like that. Well, in the end, what we do is we go into a team, we do a list of the tasks that need to be accomplished by the team, but that list needs to also include informal tasks. For example, giving visibility to the team to the outside, communicating with other people, uh, organizing inside on an informal level. All of these tasks, including the informal ones, we create this catalog and then we source people's genius zones using a methodology we're going to be talking about in a couple of minutes. And then we start mapping. And some people say, okay, yeah, but you know, in the end, maybe there are some tasks that nobody enjoys doing that's nobody's genius zone. Well, one, that actually doesn't happen that often. Two, you can find somebody within the company or somebody on the outside for which that will be a genius zone. And three, even if in the end there's one or two tasks that it really is in nobody's genius zones and you cannot change anything within the team, you're still going to be way, way, way better off than today. So those are not real limitations, actually. Okay, no, fine. I've got it. I've got the concept. I've got the rough idea of how we, you know, how it relates to to the sort of um, a workplace. Let's talk. You meant you just mentioned about methodology, and I, I was going to move on to. You know, if I've got a hundred staff in a company, where do I start? You know, if I've it's a mismatch of people in different zones. Um, presumably, only twenty percent of them are working in their genius zones, as you said earlier. Where do I start? How do I unpick that mess? Yeah, so the first point is to, well, understand that level of genius is not at all the level of excellence. There's definitely a level beyond what we thought was the, the highest level. Once we've understood that, then we can start actually creating a catalog for each person. What are their genius zones? And we, we've tried literally eight or nine different methodologies to do that. In the end, by far, by far, by far the most efficient is to actually have people around us tell us what they see we're really, really good at, which seems to come so naturally for us that actually people around us think it would be very difficult for them. And for ourselves, including even through psychological tests, I've done 10 of them, of which three I've been debriefed for multiple hours on average. All of them were very useful, but actually none of them were useful for me to identify my own genius zones. 
Okay, even strengths finder where, where it can be useful for some things, but even that has not been useful for me or for our participants to identify their own genius zones. It's really somebody else. Because this is so natural for me, I don't believe it's anything special. I believe that everybody else around me can do it. I don't believe it's something that's differentiating versus other people. So here we need to source from other people. We recommend talking to 20 people around us. Okay, about one third current professional environment. They could be coworkers, they could be our bosses, they could be our um, direct reports, but they can also be our customers. They can also be our suppliers because they will see things in us that maybe even our coworkers won't see. One third current work environment, one third past work environment. We haven't had close contact with in the last two years. And then one third family and friends, because they see things in us that we don't necessarily show at work, that we don't have the uh, possibility to display at work, and they will see something special in, our, in us as well. And each person will give two, three, four different points. And then we need to separate from those the zones of excellence versus the zones of genius. That's, only, that's something that only we can do, because from the outside, they'll tell us what we're really good at, but they won't know if we'll give us energy or not. Okay. And what's, what's interesting from that is, well, interesting question is, do you think that People will always, you know, their friends and colleagues and, and you know, people at work will, will always point them to a genius they were expecting to go, or do you think there's some surprises there to be had? Oh, <laughs> every time, every time there is some surprise. And, you know, when we do this exercise, one of the first feedbacks is, whoa, you know, this alone is way, way worth the, the, whole, um, the whole investment I'm making in this because this is such a gift. I did not know that this was special for me. I thought everybody could do it because it's one of my genius zones. That, okay. that, that's no, that, the key point. Yeah, no, in my head, I was thinking, yeah, I, I know what mine are um, and I know what I like And as we were having this conversation. And as you were describing the young lady that was um, that got into accounting, it sounded like that was a bit of a surprise to her. So that's why I asked the question. So you're saying it's not occasionally, it's pretty much every time there's a surprise for someone. Every time there's some things that come up that people did not know were specific to them. And that's the drama because that way, not knowing it's specific to them, they can't put it forward. They can't make other people see that this is something you know unique to them in the workplace. That's exactly the problem. And if, if we go back to sort of implementing it with hundreds of people, is it a sort of, you know, when we've done the sort of color um, matching for our, our teams, we've done them in teams, you know, you get a team of developers or you get a team of um, the sales team and you work out their colors um, together. Um, I, you don't do 100 people in a company in one go. Is it a similar approach here you would expect? Yeah. So here I would do this one team at a time. Okay, and within a team, again, so uh, um, measure the people's genius zones, do a catalog of what's required by the team to do, okay, and then make sure that people maximize uh, that time by exchanging a zone of excellence, one of my zones of excellence with somebody else's zones of excellence, immediately both parties, both parties win. Because I spend more time in their in their my zone of, of genius, and the other person also spends more time just with one exchange of tasks. And we've done this in environments where there is such a formal um, setup from an HR perspective. You know, job descriptions cannot be changed between yearly reviews in certain cases. And here, even that, 
we've been, been able to keep the same job description and yet change people's tasks to significantly significantly uh, increase the time they spend in their genius zone. Okay? okay, so one, create a catalog of people's genius zones, individuals. Two, create a list of what, re- what is required, including informal tasks, and then start mapping people to those tasks within a group of, let's say, 5, 10, 15, 20 people. And here, maybe one difference compared to the... Um, the colors we were describing before, uh, in certain environments, there will there will need to be more blue or more red or, or more yellow or, or more green, right? Now, here, it's not necessarily there needs to be a mix because people spend, on average, 20% of their own time in their genius zone. It's not one person is, you know, fully in this genius zone, another person is totally not. Uh, it's each person spends, on average, even 15 to 20% of their time in their genius zone. So here, by exchanging their tasks, we actually automatically increase the whole effectiveness of the team. Oh, got it. Got it. Listen, Andre, I think that's you know, that's been a fascinating um, journey through the sort of, you know, the, the genius life methodology. And I think I think I've got it now. Um, and, you know, I think we're, we're, we're we're coming to the end and we're, as, as we wrap up one of the one of the questions i ask everyone is what sort of um you know book or media is giving you most inspiration at the moment and also i wonder if you could just expand a little bit on gay hendrix's book at the same time yeah so so one of course that, that always gives me inspiration because it's the basis of the foundation of the the genius zone methodology is the big leap by gay hendrix he spends quite a lot of time explaining these four levels of competency, why indeed we get stuck in one, and he gives some really good examples. And I highly recommend anybody interested in the methodology reads about this. Then, of course, please keep in mind the question is, <laughs> what do you do once you understand the methodology, right? How to put this in place for you, for your employees, for people around you. And uh, th- that's where maybe we can also play a role. Then another book I've been reading lately, which I found absolutely fascinating, is Sell Secrets by Brandon uh, Bonansen. It's actually 104 short interviews as what has made people really successful in sales. Why do I find sales so interesting? Because for me, sales is applied personal development, right? If I'm really uh, well myself, if I'm impactful around me, I will be good in my sales jobs because they can help people more. Sales is actually more about helping other people than rather flocking products that, uh, that anybody can do, right? So here I find it fascinating to identify what were the key success factors for these 104 different people and see indeed through the, you know, <laughs> kind of read through what were their genius zones and what was so easy for them that, that could be very, very difficult for people around them and try to grab some insights from that. Excellent recommendation, Andre. We will, I'll put the links to um, both those books in, in the podcast podcast notes well listen you know that's that's been a great session thank you very much you know i'm I'm sure listeners will one hopefully they'll they'll read the books and hopefully i'll put your uh, linkedin and website details in so if anybody wants to get in touch with you about the academy they can um thank you very much andre thank you thank you very much stay in your genius zones have a great day bye